Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. Thank you again for tuning into this. This is going to be our our monthly discussion on the topic of missions. And our discussion today between myself and Brother Keith Stensis is going to be on missionary partnerships or missionary cooperation. Um, It's a very important subject. It's one that obviously Brother Keith and I are interacting with on a a daily basis since he and I are working together here in, in Masaka at Masaka Independent Baptist Church. Um, Brother Keith has a, a large ministry here. Uh, he has prayed for some time for someone to come and work with him or work alongside him. And it just seems like the Lord has worked it out for my wife and I to do that. Now, by way of introduction, we start with Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That is a recipe for success in any relationship. If, if you will sit down and meditate on what is said in that passage, it will greatly help all your relationships. But many of life's endeavors require cooperation. The American mindset once looked at the lone rangers among us as heroic. There was something intrepid about a man with an individualist and nonconformist approach to life. In the modern era, this has taken a turn in an odd direction. (laughs) American society is infested with millennial rebels leading the charge as social media influencers. They blaze digital trails that surely shame the explorers of old. (laughs) Don't mistake their softness for weakness. Upon exiting their beanbag adorned safe spaces, they are ready to take on the world, or at least uh, prepared to take on the world of Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, (laughs) you know, the digital world. These models of perpetual immaturity will someday lead our country. That's scary to think about. A few are now entering into public office of varying levels. Once there, they will apply their social media influencing experience to garner support for socialism, gender confusion, 
and sexual perversion. With feeble psyches, this generation has been tossed to and fro by every wind of secular doctrine. Their tossings seem endless somehow, and yet somehow they have entered a cyclone of perpetual madness. But how have the members of society who once looked at rugged individualism handled the outrageous ramblings of millennial maniacs? Well, primarily through inventive appeasement. It appears clear that prior generations have defaulted to waving the white flag. They essentially advertise their propensity for weakness. This amounts to willful neglect over many years leading to amoral, gender-neutral creatures who demand not rights, but luxuries, such as Starbucks, coffee, Apple computers, and free college. This has produced the dreadful ingredients for a perfect storm, a weak society intermingled with nihilistic brats. So what does this have to do with partnerships and and, and missions? A missionary is undoubtedly that rugged individualist who sets out to preach the gospel in the regions beyond. To be successful in this endeavor, the missionary must forsake all and leave for for this foreign field. A land where people talk differently, think differently, eat differently, smell differently, and worship differently. The millennial aptitude for expressing unfounded opinions from a MacBook Air with anti-capitalist stickers on the front will struggle in this setting. An excellent way to cope with culture shock and the immediate onset of confusion caused by the corrupt bureaucratic processes of a third world nation is to have an experienced partner in the ministry. You don't know everything. Your opinions are not valid. Find someone who has the experience and let them help you. No doubt some will complain the idea of missionary cooperation means the loss of that rugged individualism and pioneering spirit of prior missionary generations. But you should have thought about that before giving your child an Xbox and flooding their minds with television. But regardless of the presence of a pioneering spirit or no, The willingness of a missionary to leave their home country and labor to establish Bible-believing Christianity in a foreign land is admirable. American society and even American Christianity caused the problem of weak young people. It has to be owned. You you can't just complain about the, the product you've produced. You need to go back to the source who produced it. We allow the influx of collectivist ideologies to flood the minds of our children through the internet, television, contemporary music of varying sorts, and through the school systems. The existence existence of weakness is an unfortunate fact. The question going forward is how do we fix this without allowing the spread of the gospel to suffer? I submit that missionary partnerships are a great way to accomplish this task. But as in any area of cooperation, partnerships come with ups and downs, pros and cons. What are the limits of collaboration? How do the areas of responsibility get defined? What happens if the two simply cannot agree on some issue? These ideas will need to be addressed at some point and in some reasonable way. But the pros of starting a ministry under the guidance of an experienced missionary are tremendous. And I 
I say that from my recent experiences doing so. Navigating the visa process alone could require a degree in indigenous corruption, (laughs) but one may assume they can simply hire a lawyer, not understanding the role that third world lawyers can play in adding to the corruption. They may happily receive your money and leave you just as confused as you were when the process started. That's not always the case, but it, it can be. And what of cultural norms and taboos? What will happen in this new country of yours if you wave in a friendly American manner? Uh, what, it, what if you show someone the bottom of your feet? Have you considered what might happen if you extend your left hand for any purpose? Simple details we would never think to be problematic could stir up a large-scale riot. You need some help. Now, help may not always be available. Someone to work with may not always be available. I'm not suggesting we should uh, ditch the idea of a missionary pioneering some some work. Um, that That's not what I'm saying. But generally speaking, if there's someone available that can help you get started, it would It seems good to me to take advantage of that help. Missionary partnerships are invaluable, and the help that can be gained through either short-term or long-term cooperation is worth the time and effort. In this broadcast, missionary Keith Stensis and I will try and work out some details to consider in this area of missions. Let's get started. Welcome back, brother. It's good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> a lot has happened in the past week or two. <laughs> Absolutely. The country semi sort of opened and we've been able to move around and get supplies and at least drive. Yeah. You know. At least drive outside the district. <laughs> we could drive circles around Masaka <laughs> before. So that's been nice. Uh, my family got to leave our home. Yes. That was good. <laughs> After almost 60 days of just being home, but my, we love our house. The Lord's been good to us. Uh, we we love it there. My wife and daughter have have handled it very well. But it was nice to get them out a little bit. Yeah, and her hair was starting to frizz up a little, yeah, and yeah. banging her head against the wall. Yeah. You can see the path she's walked <laughs> yeah. around the yard in the house. <laughs> so uh, so that's been good. But um, so today we're going to talk about something that uh, again is, um, is probably something you've had quite a bit of experience with over the, your time here. You've had guys kind of come and go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I guess I would say work loosely with you. Right. I don't know that you've had anybody just specifically say, I want to work right. with you on what you're doing, mm-hmm. that type of idea. But you've had, you know, some people pass through Masaka from time to time. And um, the idea is one, is another one that is kind of a hot topic in many of our churches, especially again, when you're on deputation, you get to have all these interesting discussions with right. pastors and missionaries when you get on when you get around on deputation and one that they often talk about is is the idea of missionary cooperation mm-hmm. working together partnerships you know however you want to label it which honestly to me seems odd it seems odd that it needs to be uh, discussed as though it's a foreign idea right, right. or an odd idea right because that's what ministry is. It's, it's cooperation yes. amongst people. And, and, you know, you have this list 
in Ephesians, uh, I believe we're going to, I'm going to read it here in just a, a moment, maybe. Yeah. So you have this list of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Mm. And it seems like somehow we've gotten in our heads that each person or each, you know, each title or, or gift that's listed here has to work independently. He can't, you know, an apostle can't work right. with an evangelist. An evangelist right. can't work with a pastor and, or two evangelists can't work together. It, mm. it, it, it's like we've developed this idea that the possibility of people working together in that capacity is so foreign to us. Right, right. And I don't understand how we got there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that came to be. Or, or... Well, I, I think a lot of it is just the idea that in those capacities, each one wants to be an alpha, you know. And so we've we've got this idea that, okay, the church has sent me out to do something. And so I have to be in charge. Sure. And when you get two people that have to be in charge, right. it just doesn't work. Sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, so. well, they, and, and they often are, um, more, you know, independent, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a mindset that comes at least in the world of missions and probably in the world of, of pastors more often than not, they are very independent alpha type figures. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I'm hoping maybe, this will help lend to the idea that some of those barriers need to be broken down or, or rethought. Yeah, yeah. At well, least. and I think a lot of times it is the missionary that is afraid if you know, I'm trying to raise support and if, if the pastor does not feel that I'm right. the one that's going to be in charge, sure. you know, so sure. you, you very seldom, I've heard a couple, but you very seldom hear of missionaries raising support to be the second man, right. so to speak, you know, right. and, and I think, so a lot of that pressure is there to, to be out on your own sure. and, and to, so the idea of working with is, is more like an internship rather than really working with the missionary right. to yeah, accomplish but, something. But, but there, so that I'm glad you brought that up. So that, that was our working with you was actually a, a, uh, was, was a requirement set mm-hmm. by our pastor, at least for, he, he wanted us to work with you at least for a year right. as follow on training, mm-hmm. because what do I know about being, I've lived overseas, you know, for a large portion of my adult life, but I wasn't a missionary. Mm-hmm. And most of the time I was on a government contract where I had the government taking care of my visas, taking care of, uh, cultural training, taking care of protect protection mm-hmm. and, and, and any number of issues that you could, you could face. And then you show up somewhere on your own. Yeah. You know, what do I know about coming and moving? You know, and, and one of the things in my introduction I talk about is just the visa process. Yeah. You know, in a third world country would, would require a degree in political science that, right. <laughs> you know, you, you didn't expect to have to navigate. Right. And then there are cultural norms. There are so many issues that you're going to face. It's not a bad idea, at least initially, mm-hmm. to start off either working directly with someone or loosely closely with someone that, right. that can kind of help guide you through that. And it, but then that relationship and this some of the conversations you and I had initial initially, it can't be, I'm coming to Africa. You need to set aside your time to help me get started. Mm-hmm. You know, there needs to be some right. give and take sure, to it. It sure. can't just be, you know, well, somebody needs to be there to help me get my feet on the ground and then I can ditch them and, and, right. <laughs> and take off when right. I'm ready to. And that, and now we, we don't frame it that way or people don't say it that way, but that's essentially yeah. oftentimes the intent. 
I'm going to use this person to get what I need, and then you know we'll branch off and go our separate ways. Yeah. Now, oftentimes, a missionary on the ground is willing to allow that to happen because they're just generous and want to help another missionary mm-hmm. get get up and running and get started. And 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 there is going to be some give and take. There is going to be some using of each other to some extent. That that's just the nature of relationships. Sure. But it can't be. Uh, problematic, you know, it can't be. Well, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later on in the program, but you've, you've got to identify at the onset, what do we mean by working together? And uh, because if that is not clearly spelled out, then you're going to have a lot of misunderstandings and uh, you're going to have a lot of, you know, offense because, you know, one has this idea of, well, this is what I think working together is. And the other one has a totally different idea. And uh, and I found many times the hard way um, that the idea of working together has many different definitions. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I think it's very important. I think we did this, you know, when you first came over is all right, what, what do we mean by working together? You know, and, and I know, again, I know we're going to get into this later sure. on, but I, I think that's important at the very, very beginning is to set that standard. Yeah, no, we, we, we will get into that. So, but starting out, you know, I, I and, and I'm, I'm probably leading us ahead of ourselves. Um, the, the idea of unity, I think, is probably the first barrier that needs to be broken mm-hmm. down. And you can, be, you can be as independent as a man can be and still work towards unity. Right. You know, and, and I think it, kind of the way the conversation started out, the, the idea that you have to be the alpha male means that you, you, you can't have anyone over you. You mm-hmm. can't work with anyone. That's not, that's not, that's not ministerial leadership. Right. That's rebellion. Right. You know, that's, I don't need anybody. Nobody needs me. I'm going to do it on my own. I have my own ideas, my own thoughts. Well, everybody does. Right. And every, I, I have a lot of ideas, a lot of things I'd like to do, but, but we have to develop a process as to how this is going to be accomplished and accomplished without harming the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right. because I think I'm so great that everyone should just step out of the way and let me do what I want to do or go mm-hmm. where I want to go. And so three times in the Bible, which is incredible to me, the word unity is mentioned. First is in Psalm 133, verse one, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Mm-hmm. The second one is Ephesians four verses one through three. I, therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. It seems like the Lord kind of knew right. there might be some interpersonal yes, exactly. <laughs> issues. Endeavoring to keep the unity. Now we're going to talk about that. the word endeavoring in there is the one that stands out to me the most. It takes work. It, it's, yeah. it's, it has to be an active process. Yes. You can't just, oh, I don't know why we can't get along because one or both of you is not endeavoring to keep the mm-hmm. unity of the spirit. And that's why you're not getting along. There has to be a willingness on one side or both sides. And and it ultimately in the end, it has to be both sides. Mm -hmm. You have to, you know, we have an overall goal we want to accomplish. Are we going to let petty arguments, you know, destroy that? Am I going to let my ego ruin that? Am I going to let my attitude, you know, ruin that kind of thing? Or am I going to endeavor to keep the unity by saying, okay, I'm going to have to give over here so we can be successful over here. And get over myself yeah. so that we don't have to do the we don't have to have problems while we accomplish right. these things. And then Ephesians four verses eleven through fourteen, and he gave some apostles 
and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, and they all have to stay away from each other and can never talk to each other and have to work on, on their own. Or he gave them for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about of every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Mm -hmm. And there is plenty of that out there to go around. Right. And the job of these men is to prepare the body to not have to deal with those things or to be ready to confront those things. And mm -hmm. instead we're, we're fighting with each other and, right. and have this inner tur turmoil that, that d doesn't need to exist. Sure. And so I wanted to break down all three passages and, and I want to get to the, to the more practical parts. This is, I guess this deals with more of a philosophical, uh, you know, approach, I suppose, and so I want to get to the, the the second half of this is the more practical aspects that mm -hmm. we, we began talking about. But first is for brethren to dwell in unity. Um, so in terms of a missionary partnership, in your estimation, what is a missionary partnership? Well, I think, again, you're coming, you've got two different people coming from two different churches, two different pastors. More often than not, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, you've got a good pastor. I've got a good pastor. You've got a good sending church. I've got a good sending church. And each of those sending churches have expectations of their missionaries. Sure. And so I believe a partnership is where two men come together and say, all right, what is our overall goal? Okay, what are we, what are we trying to accomplish here? I remember sitting and, and talking with you and when, when you first had a desire to come, and I said, okay, knowing what I know about you, you have strengths that I don't have, right. all right? I have strengths you don't have. And instead of saying you have to be like me and the right. only way we can work together is if you're like me, let's take the strengths that each of us have and support our weaknesses uh, you, you're very strong in evangelism. You're very strong in public ministry. I've never been that way. Sure. All right. Um, I evangelize. I, I witness to people, but it's honestly, it has not been my, I'm just not a go getter like that, like you are. And so I brought you, I didn't bring you in, but you came in <laughs> sure. and I said, Hey, this is a man who could bring this facet to our ministry, an area that I'm weak in and, uh, and strengthen that area. Accomplishing the overall purpose. Um, what, what, what is my purpose here? My, my overall purpose is training of men for the ministry. Okay. I have areas of strength in teaching and areas of strength in, in leadership. But I said, all right, here's a man who has a strength that I don't have. So let's bring him in teaching these men in, in areas and practical ways that I can't have. And I've learned from you, even since you've been here, uh, things that how I can improve my own weaknesses. Um, so I think you've got to figure out what, what is your overall goal. Uh, don't get so specific because when you get very specific in the goal, then that's when you can't work together sure. because you, you don't fit into my program. 
program. But when you have an overall purpose, an overall goal, I want to leave this country with men who love God, men who are soul winners, men who are going to teach their men, start churches. If that is our overall goal, then let's use each other's uh, strengths to accomplish that goal. And uh, so that one day when we do leave, We've got guys here that are saying, hey, look at what Brother Thomas taught me and look at what Brother Keith taught me and and give them a well-rounded – because I think a lot of times – what is that? uh, There's a fancy word out there. I can't remember. It starts with an N where you keep training your own people, uh, you know, where you let your family – I, I can't even I remember know. the word. I'm sorry, I'm not able to help you. <laughs> You're probably out there knowing what the word is, and it uh, starts with an N. I know that, but it, it's where you just keep producing clones of yourself. Okay. And uh, and and I think that's a danger. A lot of times is you know you, when you're right. just one person, and you're teaching people, then everyone is has one way of looking at it. Right. And and so when you bring in two different guys, right. you, you you kind of break every you break up that rut so that people are seeing things from a different point of view, but yet accomplishing the same purpose. Right. But but I think the so in dealing with my dealing with you. I think a, a big part of what made this possible is you were willing to do a lot of that. You didn't have, you know, our coming into this, you, at no point did you have the mentality that, well, I'm the established missionary. You need to come in, shut up, and listen to me and do what I say. You, you don't have an overbearing, domineering personality. And not only that, but you, you've allowed me space to be myself because there's some areas where uh, we, we disagree or would present certain aspects of the word of God differently, but you've not tried to create an atmosphere here where that those discussions can't be had Mm -hmm. now, not for the sake again of unity. We're not, we're not trying to create, you know, a a camp for Apollos and a camp for Paul and a a camp for Peter and and all that. That's not, you know, what we're talking about here. And, and and of course the differences are not, well, I don't believe, you know, Mary was a virgin, you know, that's, that's not the idea, but, um, you have been unbelievably not only easy to work with, but you've gone out of your way to be a huge help to me and my family mm-hmm. in in helping us to come here and to be established. And that means a lot to us. You know, that that first of all, I had to come with the mentality and I have a pastor who who makes you think about these things. You know, he wants you to think about you're going into another man's ministry. That is a reality that I have to right. keep in mind. I can't show up here thinking, you know, well, I'm going to take over and, and show you how things are really done. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that is a destructive attitude. Right. And, and while I have some ideas, I have some things that I would like to do, I have some things that I would like to accomplish in order to be able to work within the framework of what you have established here. And, and for us to be able to do this and, and accomplish the same goal, maybe not the way that I wanted to accomplish it, but mm-hmm. still accomplish a lot of the same goals. Right. You know, it, it, we we end up at the same end. If I'm willing to say, okay, well, I thought I would do it this way, but he's already established this, and he's willing to let me join in and help with that. Why would I go fight against that right. or cause problems with that? Yeah. But it, it's twofold. First of all, my attitude is, I am going into another man's ministry, and I need to be respectful of that. But your attitude was, this is an independent thinking person who has his own ideas, mm-hmm. and I want to give him some space to be able to come in and and not destroy everything, but be himself and be able to kind of find a place to fit in and settle down. And I don't think that happens on one side or the other or either side. A lot of times with the disasters you hear about of missionaries trying to work together. 
they're not endeavoring to keep them unity, which we're going to get to that again in a second. They're not dwelling together in unity. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and then what I have here, you, you mentioned it in, in your explanation. There has to be a united goal. Yes. And if, if your united goal, if you don't have a goal that you're trying to come to, you know, to, to arrive at at the end, all the details on how you arrive there can be worked out. Mm-hmm. Those are, again, it's not that they're not important, but that, but you're trying to accomplish an overall goal. Now, how are we going to do that? And how are we going to do that? If we're going to work together, how are we going to do that together? And, you know, guys get so caught up in their convictions and their philosophies and their, you know, well, my church, we do it this way. Right. Well, you know, Capital City does things differently than the Bible Baptist Church sure. in Deland. I think the Bible Baptist Church in Deland probably does everything different <laughs> from, from, from every other Baptist church. Yes. But Brother James teaches us that, you know, you have to keep, you have to think about that. Mm-hmm. And because we do things differently, does not give you a right to go and bash or, or harm right. another ministry. Right. And, and there are differences of administration. If you can't, you can't take that into account as you approach, especially something this big, mm-hmm. you're going to move your family to Africa and work with a man. It, you know, it, 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 that's a big move. It's a big step. Yeah. There are a lot of factors in that. You're moving to a different culture. Can you get along with the guy? I've heard other stories of missionaries who, who now Miss Sally has been a, a, a huge blessing, uh, you know, to my wife. I can't tell you how many times I've come home. Like one day I found our salt in the freezer. <laughs> and I was like, why is the salt in the freezer? She said, I don't know. Miss Sally does that. <laughs> said, okay. <laughs> and, and so, you know, just little details, little things that she's learned over all her time here that she's able to pass off to my wife. And my wife has a teachable spirit and she understands this is a more experienced lady mm. in this area who's willing to help her. Why would you not take that? Right. Why would you come in and, and, and then try and dictate to her how to live in Uganda when she's been here 25 years? Right, right. And, and when those, that's the petty side of it. You know, I have ideas. You need to listen to my mm-hmm. ideas. Well, maybe. Right. Have you considered whether your idea is, is, is merited here mm-hmm. or not? Mm-hmm. And so when you can sit down and you can have the discussion about those things and you can talk about those things. And I've learned, I've come here and I've had some ideas and then I've seen the way you do certain things. And I'm like, oh, okay. My idea would not work. Mm-hmm. It would be problematic. I've said things and done things here. I've had to go back and say, okay, now I, I meant well, and I think what I said was right. But in this culture and the way they do things and the way that they react to things, it, it didn't work out. Yeah. And having someone like you here and my willingness to listen to someone has been a huge help and really breaks down. It, it takes all those petty barriers and just it, they, let's throw them out the door. And let's stay focused on the united goal right. so that we can work together and, and, and work to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ, not to the honor and glory of my plan. Right, right. <laughs> and I don't think a lot of people, I, I don't think it's that, I don't think, I think in a lot of areas of, the, of American Christian life, we don't think through anything. We just have dogmatic, right. a, a dogmatic philosophy and, and you're going to do it my way or it's the highway. Right. You're not going to get along with anybody yeah. that way. You could probably get Ugandans to to kind of bow to that type of, you know, mentality or attitude, but you're not going to get somebody, you know, right. someone that is seen of, as your first world equal mm-hmm. to bow down to you in that way. Right. And and you shouldn't be trying to get Ugandans to to yeah. subside to you in that. Well, way. it's got it's 
it's got to be a willingness on both sides. And that's, that's my long way of saying that. I have to be able to accept someone into the ministry and be willing to understand there's going to be new ideas and there's going to be new thoughts and there's going to be different ways of doing things. And then there's got to also, as you were saying, have a willingness to come in and say, this is not my ministry. This is something that I've, you know, coming in on after it's been here for several years. And, uh, and when there's that willingness on both sides to, I mean, part of being filled with the Holy Spirit is submitting yourselves one to another. And, and when we, when we submit ourselves to one another and point out each other's weaknesses, point out each other's strengths, I, I, I really think um, and again, I may be getting ahead of ourselves, but I really think that much more can be accomplished when so. when you've got two people heading the same direction, different ideas, different personalities. But I, uh, I remember, I remember my pastor one time. He's in heaven today. Pastor Hank Thompson mm-hmm. used to say uh, that the reason two missionaries can't work together is just because one of them's not being a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we there's no excuse for it. Sure. You know, there we yes, we all have different personalities right. and yes, we but if 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 God is leading two men to come together, there 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 is a way for them to be able to do that with the work of the Holy Spirit of God. There should be if it's if it's <clears throat> proper for us to dwell together in unity, then right. there's a way to do it yes. and that and the problem comes when one or both are not willing to make it happen. Well the the key to the entire passage is in unity. Mm-hmm. If you take out in unity, that pass that passage is a complete lie. Right. You can't have two blood brothers dwell together right. peacefully. And if, if there's not a unifying factor there, mm-hmm. as soon as something comes up that, that breaks whatever semblance of unity existed, then they'll tell you, you know, let, let a grandparent die and there be, you know, an inheritance. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a whole family will, will just rip each other apart. Yeah. There, there's no unit. There's no combined unity. And, Working together the way that we have, and, and you know, we, I think my wife told me we've been here six months now, mm-hmm. which is insane. I know, it's to hard to believe. <laughs> um, there have been plenty of opportunities. You know, we've dealt with, with monetary situations. We've dealt with leadership situations. We've dealt mm-hmm. with teaching situations, spiritual situations. There's a lot of potential for things to go sideways. Right. But my intent is to endeavor for that not to happen. Yeah. Like, I don't want that to happen. Right. And, and I, I, I presume from what I've learned from you that you don't want that to exactly. happen. Right. And we've been able to talk to each other. We've been able to be very upfront and honest with each other. And, and, uh, you know, you, you've, I hope felt free to come and tell me things that you think would be problematic if, mm-hmm. if I continued it or did it or, or what, you know, and, and you're not trying, again, you're not trying to be overbearing or disrespectful, but now that I am, and you know, so I, one of our guys here, we, we've had a couple of talks and I had to tell him once that what you do in Masaka affects the entire ministry. Right. And so now that I'm here and I'm working alongside you, what I do here affects the entire ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and so something you've worked for, worked on for 25 years to have someone come in with a bad attitude and potentially tear it apart. And you can't feel free to come and say, Hey, you know, I've noticed you've done this. I've seen you've done that, or you've said this, or you've acted this way or that way. You know, you may want to yeah. reconsider that right, <laughs> because sure. it could be problematic. And those conversations have to be had because yeah. 
And I, I think that's a, a, a big part of meekness right. is being able to say, all right, I, I'm leading this ministry, but I don't have to tell people I'm leading the ministry. Right. You know, I mean, you, you let people yeah. do their thing. You let people operate the way God gave them the strengths and abilities to operate, but you don't have to go around constantly reminding them, reminding them brother, you're in charge. Brother James, my pastor always says that, uh, if you have to remind someone you're in charge, <laughs> you're not, you're in, not charge. in charge. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, he likes to point those things out. <laughs> so I, I don't think there's any other circumstance where people could, any people in any format could dwell together if there is not a united goal. Right. And our united goal has to be the preeminence of Jesus Christ and, right. and leaving behind a people who are trained to continue this ministry when right. you and I are long gone. Right. And if that's not our combined goal, then it's not gonna yeah. it's not gonna work. Right. And and that's true in any in any format in any factor in business and marriage. Could you imagine? You know, if we could sit down and look at all the divorces that happened this past year, I guarantee you we could identify multiple places where the two people had completely different or going right. in completely different directions until right. it finally just ripped them apart. Right. And there, there's no unity. There's no communication. There's no ability to have difficult conversations, mm-hmm. part of strong relationships, which I don't think people fully appreciate is the ability to sit you know, the, the iron sharpeneth iron, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the wounds of a friend are faithful right. to be able to sit down and have difficult conversations. Yeah. It, it improves your character mm-hmm. and it, it keeps the relationship strong and, and it gets rid of any layers of superficial you know, existence mm-hmm. in the relationship, it, it, right. it removes all that and peels all that back and it allows you to really be honest with each other and it allows you to stay focused. Right. And when you can't do that, yep. somebody's going to get offended. Somebody's going to get upset. <laughs> exactly. And, and they're going to become, well, how angry. many times even in my own marriage, it's at the time it wasn't a blessing, but you know, the times when your wife has to give you a little message, you yeah. know, a sermon and sure. <laughs> say, Hey, you know, you're not doing this right. You know? And, and then well, I'm the husband, I'm right. the one in charge, right. you know, you, how, how dare you, you know, and when you can't listen to someone who sure. is under you or working with you, uh, and, and see their viewpoint and, and how, I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have those conversations sure. and the vast majority of the times it's me saying, you're right, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's very seldom yeah. the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but you gotta be willing to do that. Yeah, you do. And I, and again, there's, there's always two sides to it there. You know, my wife's ability to come and tell me those things. She's, she's very respectful about it. Mm -hmm. She's not coming in with guns blazing and trying to, because her harm is not to hurt me or upset me, Right. but she may have seen something that I need to think about. Right. And so she'll come in and she'll just honestly say, you know, you did this or you said that probably not good. (laughs) 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 And I, Go get my belt and I beat her. <laughs> um, no, if you can't do that, you, you can't have a relationship yeah. in any form if you can't right. have those honest conversations. Right. So it, it's the unity is only maintained when there's a united intent, a united goal. Adrian Rogers used to, used to always say, and this is part of it, but I but I think I think that the unity comes with 
with moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there may be some slight differences and variance in how you get there, but we're moving in the same direction. But Agent Rogers used to say that the Jesus in me is not going to fight the Jesus in you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> he That's also true. he had another story about communication. He said there is this old couple. He had a sermon called uh, "Communicate, Don't Disintegrate," and uh, <clears throat> to illustrate it, he, he talked about this old couple sitting by the fire, and, and the husband looked over at his wife and said, "I'm proud of you." And she said, "What?" He said, "I'm proud of you." She said, "What?" He said, "I'm proud of you." She said, well, "I'm tired of you too." <laughs> <laughs> so you got to communicate. Yeah, for you gotta sure. You got to communicate honestly. Uh, so the primary goal of missionary partnerships, if you don't get that, uh, nailed down, if you don't get that, if you don't sit down and have some hard discussions, not only about what the goal is, but okay. And this is generally, you don't have, again, you don't, you don't have to be overly specific to the point that you isolate yourself, but you need to have some general ideas. Here are the boundaries we're going to, we're going to run up against to, to get there Mm -hmm. and and not cross so that we don't harm each other. We don't harm the ministry. We don't harm the locals. We don't harm the nationals. We don't harm the name of Jesus Christ who we're trying to exalt and glorify and and teach people to love. Right. And, and instead we end up fighting with people, um, in an unnecessary way. So second is to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love, <clears throat> endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So how could any partnership fall apart if the people involved in it were doing that? Mm-hmm. Right. I understand. Exactly. I mean, that's, that is a recipe for, you know, you want world peace. There it is. Mm-hmm. That that's the recipe. Yeah. Even, even if, if, even if, Without Jesus Christ, if you could get people to do that, (laughs) you would have the most perfect society (laughs) the world at least has known. Uh, But without, you know, okay, so let's just take it step by step. Um, Walk worthy. Now that, in my mind, that that immediately brings about, you know, to me, the idea that, your walk, your daily, you know, your, your daily life, the way that you live, that's a big part of it. But, but then there's the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And if there's a partnership, all of us, I think, have had a job or, or <clears throat> been involved in a situation where we're working with someone or at least one of us is working mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and the other one just kind of exists and mm-hmm. is there. They may be collecting a paycheck, but they're not doing any work. Right. And it is a frustrating situation. It is. They're not doing that which is worthy of the pay that they are receiving. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I was a communications engineer before coming here and we had plenty of people there. It, it is a, it is a we, our, our job was to maintain lines of communication for the FAA. It is an unbelievably stressful job. Yeah. And when other people are not doing or are not participating in the in the the end goal, it it just intensifies it so much more. Right. And it is it, it creates so much unnecessary complication in in again the relationship. If I'm like, man, brother Keith is he's at home taking naps all day every day mm-hmm. and, and I'm here trying to do things and get things done, what in the world is going on? Right. That's right. gonna create some problems. Yeah. And but I you're not at home taking naps. I actually believe you have a very strong work ethic. <laughs> so, 
But, you know, going on that, that's another advantage of of working together is you don't – I don't say, all right – all right, Thomas is here, so now I can right. sit back a little bit and let him do. Absolutely. But what it does is Thomas is out there work, and it, it just it motivates you to do more. Yes. Because if someone's, if we have the right kind of ethics right. and someone's out there working, you're thinking, man, I should be doing more. Yes. You know, I should it, be getting out it'll there. It'll do one of two things to you. If you, if you, have, the good, if you have a good attitude, it's going to do that. It's going to motivate mm-hmm. you to say, man, you know, Brother Keith is – constantly going out to the villages he's constantly doing things for the ugandans he's constantly training constantly teaching he's constantly here doing you know you have a podcast you i mean you have a number of things that you're doing you know and to me it's like man you better get busy you know it, <laughs> you know you don't have time to waste right. there, there's a lot of work to do if you have a bad attitude you know mm-hmm. he thinks he's so great mm-hmm. just he just sh- he's doing that to shove it in my face that's mm-hmm. you know you right. just get this negative right demeanor yeah rather than saying man that you know, when I when I read of missionaries and what they accomplished or, or even even men in business who who, you know, I, we've talked about Elon Musk before. Not that we talk about him often or for any good reason, uh, but he he's the CEO of two companies and he works 40 hours per week at both companies. Yeah, it's 80 hours a week dedicated to a business. Yeah. And you can't get busy for Jesus Christ. Exactly. Something far more. You know, it, it has eternal consequences. Right. <clears throat> and so if one one or the other is not working, uh, it's it, it's so frustrating. It does. And again, another, you know, another detail that that kind of I thought about when you started when you just said what you said is that you also didn't hand me a schedule, you know, that I have to abide by. Right. And that's part of the I think the. The independence that you have allowed in me coming in to work with your ministry, you didn't say, okay, now that you're here, you need to be here at this time. You need no. to stay here to this time. No, I, I have I have work that I'm trying to accomplish. Right. A, a lot of that and some of that overlaps with work that you're trying to yeah. accomplish. And so we've got to be able to – we need to be up, busy, ready to, to respond to each other. Yeah. When you know, So we're here this morning report, recording a podcast for my, my podcast. That's just something extra on top of the, the many things that you're already doing mm-hmm. and the many things that I'm already trying to get get going and, and, and get established. And so th- that is extra work that that you didn't expect to have to take mm-hmm. on, but you've been kind enough to to join in. And I hope these podcasts, uh, the feedback so far has been great. Yeah, I hope it is a a good lesson for people who are who are deeply interested in, in missions to sit down and listen to these and to think through. Yeah. They don't, this is not prescriptive. They don't have to take what we say and say this is the way it has to be done. That's that's not the idea. Right. But you need to sit down and think about these things and and think it through thoroughly, and then check your attitude in accord with with thinking mm-hmm. it through. Right. And and it's not happening a lot of times. They just want to show up, and there's a potential for me to show up. Yeah. This is something I have to be very careful. This is something that that I think about a lot, and I have to. In my prayer letters and, and everything that I do, I have, I have to be very careful because it would be very easy for me. And I think that it happens, you know, probably more than we wish that it did to let you do all the work and then mm-hmm. just kind of modify my prayer letter to to include work that you've done under my name. Yeah. And that is highly inappropriate. Right. Now, you know, so when I when I word things in my prayer letters, I have to be honest and I have to be upfront with people. Sure. 
you know, if, if a Ugandan wins someone to the Lord, I didn't win them to the Lord. Right. Now, I can put in my prayer letter that a Ugandan we work with won someone to the Lord. That's a blessing. That's right. a good thing. It, it helps people see the reproduction that's taking right. place here. But for me to go and say that I won this person to the Lord or you go out to the village. And I often tell people, if you go out in Uganda and you preach the gospel, some, there's a very good chance somebody's going to trust sure. in the Lord. Yeah. And you often come back with reports of you know, three to 10 people Hmm. trusting in the Lord, having been out in the village. Well, it'd be very tempting and very easy for someone who's not willing to be ethical to say that I did that, or or I was part of that, or I had something to do with that. When you were eight hours away on the other side of the country, and I'm here in Masaka and had nothing to do with it. And and so that's part of walking worthy. You've got to be honest in your prayer letters and your communication Mm -hmm. back to the States about about what's happening. We did that TBI together. Mm-hmm. Three people got saved. Right. Well, I didn't lead any of them to the Lord. Yeah. Now I can properly express to people that, that during the TBI that you allowed me to be part of something that you have established, had established here for years now that three people, you know, came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to be trained right. <laughs> to learn how to witness. Right. They came, sat through the witnessing class and realized, Oh, I've, well, I've never done that. You yeah. know, I've never trusted in Jesus mm-hmm. in that way. And so anyways, I, I, I didn't mean to ramble on so long about that, but it's it's worth noting. Yeah. Well, I, I like the the thing that I've appreciated most since you've been here is kind of going back to what we said a little bit ago, but it ties into this is that motivation factor, because when I see you come in, you know, it, it happens to anybody when you're the older you get the, and, and this, this happens to a lot of older missionaries, the older they get, um, the more they want to step back and either not do as much or step back and want to, uh, let somebody else take it and do, do more than they're doing. And the thing that has been a blessing to me is here comes a guy. He's younger. He's got new ideas. He's, he's a soul winner. Uh, he loves evangelism. And what I've tried to do is I've tried to allow that to motivate me. You know, so when you tell me, hey, uh, you know, Brother Gross and I went out and we went soul winning. And I think to myself, when did I do that last? I need to get out there, you know. And so I think a lot of times you're... Your older missionaries, uh, I remember my dad always said the, the older he got, the less patience he had with younger missionaries. <laughs> and, and I can understand that sure. and, uh, because you, you just naturally get into a frame of mind where you've done it this way all the time. And someone comes in and he's doing things differently or he's more excited. He's got more strength. He's able to do more. And it ends up being bitterness a little bit on the older missionaries part. You know, who is this guy and what has he done? Sure. And, yeah. And that also is a, and so you, as the older missionary is the one that's been there a while, you've got to be willing to say, Hey, let's, you know, you may not be able to do exactly what he does, but let what he does motivate you to do more. You know, I was just, uh, yesterday I did a, a podcast with brother Jan Milton. He's yeah. the director of, uh, operation renewed hope. And, 
And my purpose in that was, here's a man who's 68 years old who's not stopping, yeah. you know, and he's using a lot of younger people and a younger generation to help him to, to abound and do more for the Lord Jesus Christ in his later years. And, you know, so learn from the younger. And, and this is what I challenge, you know, older missionaries. If you've got someone that comes in who is younger and has younger ideas and fresh ideas, I mean, you, when I look at you, brother, and the podcast and knowing computers and knowing phones and all this kind of stuff. I, I've been in Uganda for 25 years, let alone I'm 50 years old. That kind of thing just goes over my head. You know, I, I don't understand those right. things. And so in, instead of, you know, criticizing you, although you don't use Apple, but instead of criticizing <laughs> you, I need to, I, I can learn, sure. you know, and, and I can let somebody come in and help me learn different ways of doing things and, 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 and different ways of accomplishing the ministry. And again, it's that willingness. I think that that's, that's the key on both sides. There has to be a willingness yes. to be unified. And that's what this passage really breaks down in detail. The, the, the next, you know, so it's, so first is walk worthy. Next is with lowliness. Mm -hmm. you, you've got to. And so I have a definition here. This is the definition of lowliness. The state of being humble mm -hmm. and unimportant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is, I mean, that is beautiful. Yeah. You should not think higher of yourself than you ought to think. Now, this is where a lot of what we've talked about, the, 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 the mindset of a missionary, that, that rugged individual, that independent individual, mm -hmm. that alpha male, uh, you know, or in some cases, alpha female, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is where you, you, you've got to find a way. So, so, uh, you know, so I talk about here, uh, Jesus was meek and lowly, mm -hmm. but he didn't lack his alpha characteristics. Right. He didn't lack his ability to lead, mm -hmm. uh, Moses, yep. the meekest man on the earth. You can tell me he was not a leader. He was not rugged. Right. You, you when you can show up somewhere you know, melt down a, ca a golden calf and then make people drink it. Yeah. <laughs> you come, let me know. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I think we confuse humility and being, you know, so, so, so you come in, you know, I, I like to write, I, I like to record these podcasts. I would like people to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I would like people to read what I write, mm -hmm. but I can't think when it doesn't happen the way that I would like I can't be offended by that because can't be offended by that because in the way that I would like, I, I can't be offended by that because I don't think I'm very important in the world at all. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I've, you know, preached a little bit about it here and we've talked about it a little bit and I've definitely hammered it on the podcast. The world's continual message is esteem yourself, mm -hmm. elevate yourself. Right. It's, it's a very self-centered, and, and, and in my introduction, I talk a lot about millennials, and the millennial mindset is, I can be anything I want to be, I can do what I want to do, and not only so, but you should sacrifice everything you are to help me understand mm -hmm. how great I am, how important I am, how wonderful I am. Right. And then when their whole world shatters, suicide rates go through the roof, depression mm -hmm. goes through the roof, anxiety goes through the roof, people are doped up on medication because they can't handle the most basic, they conflate life's difficulties 
with depression. Mm -hmm. Life is hard. Yeah. But life is even harder when you think higher of yourself than you ought to think. If you would develop this lowliness of mind yeah. that we see in Jesus Christ, yeah. Philippians chapter two, you're going to tell me you can't become obedient and become a servant. You know, he, he humbled himself even unto the death of the cross. Right. This is God we're talking about. Yeah. He, he, he took on the form of a servant. There couldn't be any, you know, larger gulf between God and servant, mm -hmm. but he, he crossed it yeah. and he became a servant. And so, uh, so here we are, we're working together. If I start to think I'm more important in this situation than I am, mm -hmm. as though this ministry didn't exist 25 years before I got here. And now it's all contingent upon my presence, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's really going to surge now. I, I appreciate that I could maybe add some things to it, mm -hmm. but I should not develop the idea that it can't survive without me. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's the dangerous line. That's, that's where the alpha male, the leadership, the, the, the go get it, the ambition of a young new missionary coming in. That's where the, the old missionary really begins mm -hmm. to lose his patience. Yeah. And, and I understand there's problems on both sides. The older missionary, mm -hmm. he's set in his ways. He has things that he wants done and the way he wants it done. And, you know, in our situation, I try to think about that. I try mm -hmm. to call you and ask you, mm -hmm. how do you do this? Why do you do it? Right. Uh, there have been just a few areas where I have maybe helped you to change, mm -hmm. you know, like internet service recently. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, other than that, I want to know how you've been doing it for 25 years because you've done a pretty good job of getting out and about and figuring things out. Now, if I go and I try it and it just doesn't seem to be working, then I'll start looking elsewhere and see if sure. I can figure out a better way. And sometimes it works. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're, this is Africa. <laughs> You're just yeah. stuck with what it and, is. And for the for the the older missionary, it's you 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 have to get away from the idea that you're God's answer to the ministry. Sure. You know, yeah. and uh, you you've you've got to humble yourself. And I th I think one of the biggest areas that I've had to do that is not necessarily with a missionary, but turning your work over oh, yeah. to a to a national pastor, yeah. you know, and having to go down there to his office and say, what do you think? Yeah. Is it okay to do this? Right. Uh, because I, I think we get ourselves in such a position where I've done it this way. It's got to be done this way. It's the only way that works. And, and, and you have to, again, go back to that definition. I'm, I'm nothing, right. you know, I, I, I was able to contribute to this for a period of time. I was able to do the best I could, but now this guy is here and he is leading the ministry and I've got to be willing to give yeah. him the freedom I think you've to done be able that. to lead. I, I, that has been a, I, I, that's to me, that stands out in your ministry. You, you have, you have really gone out of your way not to overstep the pastors of the church mm -hmm. that you may have helped. You may have started yourself. You know, here in our town church, Pastor Paul, he's the pastor. And though on the back of the property, we have some offices and we kind of do a lot of what we do here. Mm -hmm. I, I get to, you know, take advantage of that just by coming in and working with you. I, mm -hmm. I have an office here, a very nice office that I've been able to set up and use and work from. Um, but I, I think you've done an excellent job of trying to be careful not to overstep. I mean... As a missionary in the States, you wouldn't go to another pastor's church and, and disrespect him. Right. And you've adopted that same mentality here. It, it's, it's no different in dealing with the national pastors mm -hmm. here. If you've trained him, which you've you trained Pastor Paul, mm -hmm. you helped bring him up, you taught him the word of God, 
the church has been turned over to him. He's the pastor now. Right. And I can see where that could be difficult, especially mm-hmm. here. Yeah. You know, maybe not so hard in, in you know, uh, Lusana or, or you, know, uh, you know, somewhere, one of the outer villages where you're not there all the time or right. don't have, you know, as much daily interaction. Mm-hmm. But I can see how hard that would be here. Yeah. But it has to be done. It does. Yeah. In, order to, in order for things to work and to last. Next is meekness. Moses was meek. Mm-hmm. But Moses was a strong leader. Um, meekness is a disposition to be patient and long-suffering. You're going to see a continual theme in all these definitions. Long-suffering is repeated. Mm-hmm. Patience is repeated. You know, and this one, it's interesting. I believe this is from Webster's 1828. It's a disposition. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a disposition that we're probably going to have to develop and 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 endeavor again to take on and, and decide to that I'm going to make this a part of my character. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's natural necessarily right, <laughs> to, right. to, to be meek. Um, Brother James, I wish I could, I, I should have looked it up. He had a beautiful illustration of meekness of, of a river, you know, uh, flowing, you know, somewhat violently, but this, this rock that stands in the middle of the river and it just gently parts the water and it just, just goes around it. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's meekness, your ability to stand and face all of that and not let it move you, but, but to allow it to just wash right off of you and and, and to keep going. And, and, um, you know, I have a very brash personality. This is one that I have to, I have to think about, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to, I have this, uh, this triggering mechanism in my mind when something is happening that I know is about to bring the, uh, the lack of Christianity in me, out, <laughs> I, I, I start saying, shut up, Thomas, shut yeah. up, Thomas, yeah. shut up. Tom. Don't, don't even listen to what's being said. Just shut up. <laughs> don't respond. Cause, cause you know, if you can't respond responsibly, sometimes mm-hmm. it's best to just shut up and, right. and not say anything. Right. And you know, the, the Bible says in first Corinthians six, seven, And, you know, sometimes you wish certain verses were not in the Bible. Sometimes. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law with one another. And and this is the phrase. Why do you not rather take wrong? (laughs) Suffer yourself to be defrauded. Suffer yourself to be defrauded. Yeah. God said that to us. I don't know what those words mean, so I just pretend it's not. <laughs> well, again, going back to my former pastor, Pastor Hank Thompson, he used to, in reference to that, he said it's, he said it's always more important to do right than to be right. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes we think we're right and we have the, you know, but yes, you may be right, but are you doing right? Yeah. You know, and, and that's one of those things I've just never forgotten. And I've tried to implement that. Sure. You may have the right thing in your mind that you want to say, you may have the right way you want to do it, but is it the right thing to do at the yeah. time? Is it expedient? And, and so you've got to always, you know, keep that in the back of your mind as well. <laughs> yeah. So this makes me go back to when I first got saved. I think the first year I was saved before getting saved, I, I never read anything. I, I could, I, I liked the idea of reading, but mm-hmm. never, I never read. I might try to read and get, you know, through a paragraph and then get bored and put it down. The first year I got saved, I read around a hundred books. Hmm. I mean, I just started tearing into, I, I was just suddenly just hungry for information and knowledge mm-hmm. and would just read and read. And, 
And um, now the problem was you have, you know, I, I was a, a mixed martial arts fighter. I, I spent, you know, about 11, 12 years either fighting wars or training other militaries to fight wars. Mm-hmm. And then I had, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. I had a very rough, you know, upbringing. So I, had a, I have a very, uh, I have a disposition to be very aggressive mm-hmm. and to be brash. And then you add all that together with, you know, a head full of knowledge, but no practical experience and no, uh, it was, I, I was somebody, telling people the right thing, but it, yeah, I had somebody come to me one time. I, I heard brother Thomas's, uh, unshackled testimony. Now I know why. <laughs> <laughs> now it all makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had to go back and apologize to a lot of people yeah. for telling them the right thing, Yeah, but I was so aggressive. It, it, it just, Nobody wanted to hear anything I right. had to say. Right. There was no meekness. There was no, there was no love. There was no, it, it was, I'm telling you, right. You need to listen to what I'm saying. And, mm-hmm. and that doesn't work. Yeah. And, uh, so the next one is long suffering, which means to be able to take some wrong without lashing out. Mm-hmm. Our God is long suffering. Praise God. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Because if he wasn't, we would be in, yeah. in some serious trouble. Yeah. And so. Again, being able to suffer someone else's differences, suffer someone else's personality, and not let it, again, going back to the meekness, not letting it roll you over. And, I mean, when you look at your personality and you look at my personality, they're vastly different, but... Why should I let that hinder the ministry? Right. Why should I let that hurt, hurt a relationship? God's brought us together. And if I'm not going to try to make that work, then it's that's upon me. That's my fault. Sure. Um, but I need to take and say, hey, you know what? Here's a guy that's, you know, brash. He knows what he believes. He's strong, opinionated. He's, you know, he's he's that way. But that's that's who he is. And... Yes, there are times that he might have to pull back a little bit, but I'm not here to change you. You're not here to change me. But within the realm of the way God has brought us, we need to learn to work together. And sometimes that takes long suffering. It does. And uh, the other mostly on your part. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's funny because the other day, you know, my wife always says, because, you know, my son edits a lot of your podcasts. And so my wife says, Thomas missed his calling. He should have been a professor, not a missionary. (laughs) And uh, so the other day we were going to the capital city and I was listening to your podcast and, you know, and it's it's was that history more of a history of the Russian gulags and yes, things like yeah, that okay. that you're talking about yeah. and and my wife is just sitting over there and saying, "Is it almost done?" <laughs> 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 and you know, and I just said, "You know, here's the thing. I'm working with Brother Thomas. Yeah. I want to know how he thinks, sure. and I want to know how what he how he looks at things because I want to know better how to react with him." And that's what I told my wife. I said. I'm, I'm not li- necessarily listening to this because I want to know about the gulags, sure. uh, but I want to know Thomas right. and I want to know where he's coming from and I don't know how he thinks. And, and, uh, so I, I think that's again, part of that, uh, you know, where you're the, the other day we were out and you were talking to another missionary and you were talking about the Russian gulags. And I'm thinking, I, my first thought that came to myself is, is that all he talks about? <laughs> but it's it's what's on your mind right yeah, now right, because right that's now. what you're talking about. Sure. And, uh, and, 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 
and so you, you're, that is an interest that you have that, sure. um, though I may be casually interested in, it's not something that, you know, you were talking about the three volume book of, Acapella, yes. Yeah. And I'm thinking there's nothing in my <laughs> mind that wants to even read that, you know? Right. <laughs> you yeah, know? It, so, so I have to learn from you and learn sure. your likes and learn and, and be able to accept that. Right. Uh, and, and not criticize and not say, Hey, you know, you know, who is this guy? You know, yeah, why, yeah. why is he? Well, so, it, uh, and I, ha- I have to be careful that it doesn't become a dominant feature in, in everything that we do. And, and it, and it doesn't, but it, the, my, my deep dive into it on the podcast right now is it just, it is unbelievably relevant to our yeah. times. Oh, exactly. And, and because so, of the comparison of what we're going yes, through nowadays. Yes. Yeah. Because it's, you know, America defeated communism, and now America is about to become the communist right. country. Yeah, we are, we're, we're at least we're on that. You know, we're, we're on that that line. It's right. it's it's the potential yeah. to cross it right now is is dangerous. And but everybody's not going to be interested in that. Yeah. I think they should be, and that's yeah. the reason I put out the sure, podcast. Sure. I think they should have at least a base knowledge of communism and socialism, mm-hmm. not because you know, and, and this is and this is the line that that I always try to point out and, and try not to cross. We're not fighting a political battle, mm-hmm. but there is an ideology behind communism right. and socialism, and that ideology hates God, yes. and it hates God's mm-hmm. people. And every time it's implemented, millions of people die, and Christians end up in gulags yes. or concentration camps. Mm-hmm. And if if our country, America, keeps mm-hmm. going the direction it's going, it's coming. Yeah. It, 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 it never fails. Every time communism is implemented, this is what happens. And so I, I, I feel at least a, I guess you could say a mild duty at the moment to yeah. point these things out. And the podcast is a platform to do that. Absolutely. But I, I apologize to Miss. No, Lally, no, it's not sit, a, and, and again, that's through. what I'm saying. It's a, it's that area of long suffering yeah. where it's not, it's not, it, it's just that this is an interest or this is a personality that is not an interest or personality of mine, but instead of pushing it away, right. learn to accept it and learn from it right. and, and get some ideas and get some, you know, you know, I listening to it, I, I learned things that I never, never knew, you know? And, uh, and so I think a lot of that, you know, going back to that long suffering and coming back to unity is being able to take the, the differences, uh, that each of us have. And they're not differences in sin. They're not differences in compromise, but they're just differences, but learn to suffer with that and, and learn to suffer yourself to be defrauded, learn to deal with it, learn to be man enough to say, Hey, you know, that's not me, but I can still work with him. I can still love him. I can still, you know, we don't have to be. And I, I think that's, what's a lot of times so much of the, what I've seen in, in mission since I've been here is we, we want everyone to be like me. Right. And, and we want everyone to think, we want everyone to have the same interest. We want everyone to and it, it's just not going to happen. And so someone says, well, I just could never work with anybody. Well, as long as you have that attitude, you can, because everyone's going to be different. And, uh, and so you've got to learn to suffer long. And, and again, I don't think the word suffer there is in, 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 and maybe sometimes it might be that as you serve the Lord, uh, where, you know, persecution, wherever, I don't feel like you're persecuting me with, with your personality, but the, that idea of long suffering is just being able to be uncomfortable yeah. 
around somebody else that's not in my comfort zone sure. and still be able to be unified and work well, together. And, and I'm convinced that that allowing someone to stretch you outside your comfort zone ultimately is a good thing for you. Yeah. And the, that's exactly what you do right. because I am, I, I probably read a, uh, I, I read a book maybe, uh, every three weeks, you know, and, and you read books constantly, you know, and, and those are things that, motivate me again. Hey, I need to do some more reading. I need to stretch my mind a little bit. And, and I used to read a lot, you know, and over the years, I've just not read as much as I I used to. Uh, I'm trying to get through a book right now on, uh, you know, that uh, I was telling you about Marxism, American American Marxism. Marxism. And the reason I got it was you challenged me in those areas. Now, when I'm reading this book, I'm thinking, man, my mind can only handle a chapter this week. <laughs> you know? uh, I'm trying to figure these words out, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, but but it, it, reading is good, and reading sure. stretches your mind, and reading helps you to to broaden your intellect and your thinking, right. and, and, and that's something that I've needed. The more I – when I read something and I see how – my attachment to those things, when I, when I read something and then I can see the parallels to our current reality, mm-hmm. it, for, it, it, it just consumes my interest. And, yeah. I, and I think the Gulag Archipelago written was, I believe, was first published in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s. And it, it, I'm telling you, if you now it's the three volume set is 700 pages per volume. Yeah. And, and I love it. I, I, it's, it's, it's full of incredible insight from. From a man who was loosely a Christian, um, you know, I, I think he was possibly saved, but definitely not uh, of our, you know, stripe of, right. of Christian. But things he says in the book, one thing he said is the line between good and evil is drawn in the heart of every man. Hmm. Now think about that. Yeah. I mean, that is just infinitely profound. And and the reason it's so important is he's not he's not bashing a political system. He's pointing out an ideology, mm-hmm. a, a doctrine, right. a, a religion, a teaching that caused the death of millions of people. Yeah. Now, to me, that seems eminently important right. <laughs> because we're moving in that direction. Right. You know, American Marxism. How could you whoever would have thought you could write a book called American Marxism? And it'd be the number one seller. And here we are. Yeah. And, and now I understand that. You know, I've been reading those types of things for some time now, and I had to do I had to go through and learn what you know, what is what is a gulag? Mm -hmm. How is it? How is it possible that nobody in America knows what a gulag is? They know what a Nazi concentration camp is. And they know that, you know, half our political world will blame Hitler for for Mm -hmm. being uh, Donald Trump for being Hitler. You know, they'll 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 try to make that correlation. But nobody knows anything about Stalin. Nobody knows anything about Mao Zedong. They don't know anything about communism or socialism, except that they think it's a good thing. And and it's a it's a sleight of hand. It's very dangerous. And it has some very serious, you know, uh, consequences if we don't if we don't figure it out. So next is. Forbearing one another in love, <laughs> kind of what you were just <laughs> talking about, which forbearing is a ceasing or restraining from action, mm-hmm. patience, long suffering. Yeah, it's it all ties back to to that same idea. And uh, but this is the way that this it's just beautifully put. 
ceasing or restraining from action. Mm -hmm. That's that trigger mechanism in my right. head. Shut up, right. Thomas. Shut up. Right. One, of the, one of the things, I guess, kind of a, um, when I realized my attitude and my approach to trying to tell people about, I had this strong desire to tell people about Jesus, but I was just way over top aggressive. Yeah. And there was kind of a breaking point. It was when I was in Egypt in, um, how long was that? 2011. And, um, I was just in this really unique situation where I would drive three hours one way to church every Thursday. We'd have church on Friday. And the missionary there, David Gates, um, just a huge blessing in my life, just a big help to me. Um, he was the first man to ever put me in a pulpit and let me teach. I always, I always joke that his family's still recovering from that. <laughs> from that. Uh, but something happened where the Lord really just humbled me. Mm -hmm during that, that year in Egypt. And I realized that, man, I am just, I'm trying to help people and I'm just, I'm making everything worse yeah. with my attitude, my, my mentality, my approach to everything. You know, I have, I've become so puffed up with knowledge mm -hmm. that you just, you couldn't talk to me. Right. And I remember calling my aunt, my aunt, Kathy, I had, uh, had some interaction with her daughter, my cousin, that was none of my business, but you know, me being the, the puffed up aggressive person that I am, I made some comments to her about, you know, a relationship she had with a, with a guy or something. Uh, they, they weren't doing anything. It, it was in my opinion at the time, mildly inappropriate, but I didn't treat it as mildly inappropriate. <laughs> I treated it like, you know, they were the devil incarnate and, and needed to be, you know, crucified or something. Yeah. I, mean, I just really went after it. And, um, now, and this is the thing, I don't have a close relationship with that side of my family, or at least my, my, my cousins, mm -hmm. my, my aunt I'm a little closer to. I have no investment in their life. And then I just suddenly show up right. and blast them in the face about something I didn't think they should be doing. Right. And, um, and she just completely cut me off and stopped talking to me. That was not what I intended. Mm -hmm. I really was trying to help them. And I was so aggressive and so overbearing that they didn't, she didn't even want to speak to me anymore. And I remember when I got to Egypt, thinking through that and thinking through some other, you know, areas where I had caused more harm trying to help people than I, than I did help. And it, it just broke me down. And I remember calling my aunt and I told her that I've come to the realization everything doesn't merit my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to just – we had this idea that because we're Christians – and morally, if you follow the Bible, you are right. Mm -hmm. But like you said earlier, if you're right, but the way you're implementing what is right is so wrong, it yeah. doesn't matter. Right. And it's going to be destructive. It's going to be harmful. It's, it's going to harm the cause of Christ. It's going to mm -hmm. harm the name of Christ. And it just makes Christians look like Westboro Baptist Church. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. And I don't want to do that. And I'm, I'm certain that you have no intention of doing that. Yeah. And so these are things that I have to really think through and and not do and then endeavoring to keep the unity and we've, we've talked about that a couple of times already but making an effort or efforts striving essaying attempting mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a it, it's it's a continual system of maintenance yeah you have to think about it. You have to maintain it. It doesn't just magically exist. Right. And I, this is something that I constantly criticize about our circles is we've developed this idea. I call it Christian welfare, that 
God's going to do everything for us and that there's no personal responsibility on our part Mm -hmm. to participate. God's just going to make it happen. Right. Well, he's telling you here, you, you endeavor to keep the unity. If we're not going to do that, it's not going to happen. Yeah. You've, you've got to come you've got to come into the relationship with a desire to make it happen and, uh, and, and, and whatever it takes to make it happen. I mean, you use the illustration of marriage. You know, if you come into a marriage with the idea that my out is divorce, it's eventually going to happen. But when you come at it and say, hey, we're going to make this work, divorce is not an option, then you're going to work through things. And you're going to and I think that's what has to happen. If if I come in and say, "Okay, we're going to work together as missionaries, uh, but, you know, and I'm going to get my way and I'm going to do whatever and. If he doesn't follow what I want to do, he can just go someplace else. You know, it's a big country. There are, if if that's the attitude I have coming in, then I don't really care about a relationship. I don't care about you working together. And if you do it my way, fine. If not, it's a big world. But if I come into it and say, hey, I honestly, I desire, and I think much can be accomplished in the ministry with his help. So I am going to do what I can to make it happen. And there may come a day that God says, Hey, Thomas, I want you someplace else. And you know, there's no, this is not a contract, but as long as God has us together, I want to make it work. And, and so if I'm going to make it work, then I have to be willing to do whatever it takes on my part to make it work. And, and then again, even on the wife's side or on the other missionary side, that, that has to be there as well. They have to be willing to make it work. You've got to have two working together toward that same goal of, of making that relationship work. And it has to be continual. You can't let up on it. Mm. And then the, the final passage, we'll just look at this briefly um, and then move on to some of the, we'll, we'll kind of quickly or as best we can go through some of the practical aspects of it. Um, you know, Finally, is for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. And we talked about in the beginning how this passage lists, you know, gifts given to men. But we've developed this idea that once you're given this gift, you have to be isolated and go mm. go away and you can't work with anybody else. And that is a horrible idea. Right. That is not a good mentality to develop. And, and so, you know... I think some some of the we've talked about uh, Pastor Adam Thompson, how he's an ex- excellent example of someone who tries to solve problems, mm-hmm. not create them. And I'd, I would venture to say I've heard some things about him. He's got some strong opinions as well. Yeah, you know he's not he's he he may be meek and he may be lowly and, and a humble man, but he's got some you know he's he's not lacking the ability to be aggressive and to be right. and to be a leader. Right, uh, but. His intent is the honor and glory of Christ, not the honor and glory of his personal opinions. Right. And we've got to get that line has to be drawn strongly and the opinions need to be set to one Mm -hmm. side and the honor and glory of Christ to the other. And the opinions need to be sacrificed for his honor and glory. And I don't think it's happening. Yeah. Well, and also here's here's another interesting thing to look at that passage. If. If the apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, if if these are not. Uh, being examples of unity, mm-hmm. then how in the world can you perfect the saints Absolutely. to go in that direction? Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and I think that's 
we've I've I've done a lot of study on the movement, more specifically here in Uganda. Uh, but the, the, the charismatic movement, how it's spreading like wildfire and, you know, and what is behind that and what causes that to happen. And I think one of the reasons is, is they work together. Yeah. I mean, the, they have a crusade, they all come together, you know, and, uh, now it's, it's false. It's emotional. It's, right. I mean, you, you and I know where we stand on that, but they, when you come together, there's strength and unity. And I think sometimes we, as independent Baptists, become so independent, you know, we can't even play a volleyball game with another church because <laughs> they don't believe exactly the way we, we right. believe. And, you know, where are the where are the churches coming together as independent Baptists for crusades and going out and preaching right. the gospel right. and, and evangelization and all this kind of stuff? And where is a lot of times we do that with you know, pastors, fellowships and pastors, conferences and all this kind of stuff. But the, the people aren't seeing the, the, the unity of churches working together with churches to accomplish a common goal. Right. I, I wonder how much um, our strong stance on uh, standards and convictions play into that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I know that there is one side is just going to be a lack of people willing to participate. But then we get this idea that I have a standard, I have a conviction, and if you don't have it at your church, we mm. can't have anything to do with each right. other. And depending on what it is, there may sure. be some merit to yeah. that, but yeah. but I think a lot of times it just ends up being petty and, yeah. un- and unnecessary and divisive. Well, I remember in Bible college, you know, they used to always say a conviction is something you'd be willing to die for. And, uh, and then they would tell me their convictions, and I'd say, you mean to tell me you're going <laughs> to die for that? <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's not a conviction. Yeah, <laughs> that, that may be my preference, <laughs> but I am, I'm not dying for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's part of that, that dogmatic, philosophical yeah. camp meeting mentality yeah. where yeah. we can say certain things and we know it'll stir the emotions in our crowd, yeah. but it's not doing much to help unite our crowd. Exactly. You should have strong standards, right. but if your standards prevent you from being able to talk to anybody or, right. or fellowship with anybody, right. I think you've missed the point of the standard. Yeah. The standard is just to help you kind of approach life in, in, a, in a more narrow way, a more, a more mm-hmm. focused way, but it's not supposed to limit your ability to be able to talk to somebody or fellowship with somebody. Yeah. And you know, that's, you can't have, standards of some of our brethren and live in Florida and have a church. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you wouldn't be able to talk, you wouldn't be able to go outside your house. Right. <laughs> I mean, I it's know just, it. you know, you've got to be able to, and, and that's where I, I think that's where a lot of my aggressive mentality came, came into play is that I'd learned all these things and took them to mean it has to be yeah. like this right. right now, the way I say it, or you're wrong. Right. And, and it, it, it caused a lot of division. Yeah. And that's what it's going to do in our churches mm-hmm. if we don't. <laughs> exactly. That's a good, that's a, that'd be a good test from now on. When someone says, I can't, I can't fellowship with you because I have this conviction. Would you be willing to die for that? Yeah. <laughs> then maybe exactly. set it aside so we can yeah, talk. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's go through some of the practice. I know we've, this is running a little bit long, which I'm okay with, but I don't want to take all your time. Um, uh, some of the more practical aspects of this, initial discussions, you know, and you and I, we talked about that, you know, another thing that was a blessing to me when we met in Oxford, Alabama, mm-hmm. or I had, Kristen and I had come to Uganda, but you were home on furlough. Right. We went back to the States. You were still home on furlough. 
uh, we were here for a month, I believe. And uh, we went back to the States and then you and I met up in Oxford, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And we spent like six hours at a, what was it? A Denny's or something? It was uh, actually, I think it was a sizzler. Was it? A, yeah. A Western it, sizzler? Yeah, yeah. A Western sizzler. <laughs> yeah. And we joked with the waitress that we'd be there till dinner. Yeah. And then we were literally there. Because <laughs> it was a salad bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, but you gave me a lot of time and I had a notebook there. I had questions. I mean, we went through a lot of mm -hmm. stuff and really we talked about a lot of things and we identified some areas where, uh, where we may not. 100% exactly agree, mm -hmm. but none of it mattered. Yeah. Like it was not something that, Oh, well, <laughs> you know, if, if you can't cut your hair the way I want, then, right. you know, we, you can't be here. And so, you know, you, you gave me a lot of time, you laid out what your expectations were. And then as though it mattered, you let me lay out what my expectations mm -hmm. were. I hadn't even started deputation. I had no idea even what deputation was at the time. Yeah. I had no clue. Our, our church, like I said, we do things a little differently. Deputation is, uh, brother James has more of a negative view of deputation right. than a positive one. And so that's all I knew about deputation. Now I think his, his view is imbalanced. And, and I think, I think our time on deputation and then another, another brother uh, named Blake, Blake and Haley Muscott out of our church. I think our times on deputation may have given him a little bit better perspective. Mm -hmm. and, and I hope it has helped. You know, as a matter of fact, before we came here, uh, he had us come to the church and sit down with him and he asked us a lot of questions and, yeah. and, um, and brother James was just willing to listen to those types mm -hmm. of things and, and, and think about it. But what, what should be in your mind, some of the foundational discussions that need to happen up front? Mm -hmm. um, I think that the, the, the biggest thing is not necessarily because all right when you and i talked i know what's been done I've, i know what's here i think i wanted to find out initially what do you want to do sure. okay um even when uh people want to come on missionary trips you know that's the very first question I ask them, you know, they say, well, can we, you know, you know, plug us in what, you know, we want to, you know, can we help build? Can we teach what? And I, and I look at them and said, all right, what, what can you do? What do you want to do so that when you get on the plane to go back to America, you've had a successful trip? Sure. Okay. Because I have in my mind what I like to do. But if I come over here and make you do what I like to do, then you're going to leave and say, man, that was one of the worst mission trips I've ever been on. <laughs> right, you know, right. what do you want to accomplish? OK. And so when when I sat down with you and said, what do you want to accomplish? Then I can better know, is right. that going to fit yeah. into the ministry of what we're trying to do or not? Right. All right. And I think I think a lot of times it's. We we have to be careful because in in I know in the past there's been four or five people that you know uh, well we want to work with you and it's never is it okay if we work with you sure. uh, can we work with you sure. we want to work with you and and well what what do you want to do what do you want to accomplish mm -hmm. and there have been times that what they wanted to accomplish was not in what the it wasn't they want to do bad things but it just would not fit into what we're trying to accomplish here and uh and so i i think that's the initial thing i think the the senior missionary needs to sit down with the one coming and just simply say what do you want to accomplish right. I may say, all right, if that's what you want to do, this other missionary over here may be a better fit. Mm -hmm. 
All right. He's more leaning toward that type of ministry. Um, when I talk to you, I don't think you could have fit with any other missionary in Uganda. <laughs> You'd have blown him out of the water. Uh, you know, I, I, I know Brother James, and, and you know my pastor. I know yeah, your church. Right. That eased my mind as well uh, because you had a good understanding of our church and mm-hmm. our background, and you've read Brother James' books and heard his right. preaching and all that. And so that, that already gave you an, an edge to know doctrinally. Right. What, what you're dealing with. And, and so I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that, no. that's yeah. a big, that's important. So, yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing. Find out what the, the, the missionary coming, what do you want to accomplish? And then the senior guy needs to be able to be honest and say, all right, that, Hey, that'll, that'll fit in with what we're doing. Sure. Or if not help them to figure out another missionary or a place where it could fit in, right. you know? So, right. So uh, what about, you know, philosophical differences? How do you even have, you know, so I, I was so green and, and, you know, was so brand new to this. How do you even have a philosophical discussion? B- because the only thing I would have is theory from mm-hmm. what I learned from Brother James in Bible school or discussions I've had mm-hmm. with other missionaries. How, how do you as a, as a missionary who's been here, who's tested things, mm-hmm. who's failed and su- had successes mm-hmm. and had to change things, and, and you have plenty of practical experience how do you have a discussion with someone who has lots of ideas and who is zealous, but has, as a matter of fact, one of the things you told me, you said, I see in you what was in myself when I came here and your dad let you go and fall on your face <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> until you came back and yeah. said, okay, what am I doing wrong? And, and you said, if you, if I would let you, which, which was an incredible mm-hmm. thing for you to say mm-hmm. that you would help prevent that from happening. And mm-hmm. I, you know, we've been off to an, un, we have been, completely spoiled because I think we've been willing to say, you know, here's someone who knows what they're doing. Why don't you find out what they're doing and Mm -hmm. and learn from it and then branch off from there. Right. Well, and philosophy, as you said, and we've, we mentioned this in the last podcast, you know, we, when I first came to Uganda, uh, I could write a book of the failures and, and things that we had to learn. And I think when, if a younger missionary coming in will say, hey, you know what, let me learn from his failure so I don't do that same thing. And so just learn to listen because let, let's, say that, let's say that you grew up in a missionary home uh, and your, your parents were missionaries in England. Right. And you come with a missions philosophy from England and you try to come in with those ideas here and you got, they're just not going to work. There are Bible principles that work in every place, but every area is different. The people think differently. And, uh, and I think if I remember right, when you and I sat down in that first conversation there, um, I explained to you what my missions philosophy was. And, uh, and what, what I want to accomplish with our people, what I want to accomplish with the churches. And that helped you then to be able to say, okay, is this someone that I'm in agreement with? Uh, because I don't want to come into a situation working with somebody. And then once I get into it, find out, I don't even agree with this guy, you know? And so I think there are, there are initial things that you need to find out as a younger missionary from the older missionary is his philosophy can i work with that can i uh if if i'm not going in if i'm going with the attitude that i'm not taking over his ministry and i'm not coming in to change his ministry can i can i work with his philosophy can i work with what he's doing and uh and and so i think that's where that that philosophical difference is not necessarily 
it wasn't me asking you what your philosophy was because you'd right. never been on the mission right. field. But you need to know, coming in, working with another missionary in another ministry, no, what what does he, where does he stand on absolutely. these things? No, that was a, actually that was a, a very, I, I thought that was one of the most profound things. When you explained to me the approach you have and how you, how, how you deal with the Ugandans and, and your approach to planting churches and, and, stepping back and then stepping in and, and doing what is necessary, like we talked about in the last mm-hmm. podcast, to help build them up and let right. them do the majority of the work so that they have some skin in the game and mm-hmm. that they have, you know, participation. I thought it was one of the most incredible things I'd, I'd ever heard. And, and um, it, it was, you know, it, it was really profound to me and very enlightening and very helpful. And it, the way it helped me, you know, and again, this is, we've talked a lot about our situation, but it's, it's, you know, most, the most directly relevant experience, I mm-hmm. guess, that we have. Um, and we've talked a lot about my personality. I guess it's going to turn into a psychological couch. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I need someone like James Knox to be my pastor. Yes. You know, I, I have that type of personality. Mm-hmm. If you're a weak pastor, it's not going to go well. Right. Not because I want to cause harm to you. I just, I have a very strong personality. Right. And I need someone who can handle that like brother, like brother James and, you, you know, so if I'm going to go work with somebody on a mission field, it can't be a weak personality. Mm-hmm. Now, that shouldn't exist in a missionary, but it does. Yeah. And if you're soft or effeminate or if your ministry is moving in some liberal contemporary direction, it, you and I are not going to yeah. not going to work well right. together. It's right. not going to be good. Right. And not because I think we will have lacked some of these other characteristics Mm -hmm. to, to maintain unity. Uh, I wouldn't stay there and cause problems. Again, another thing Mm -hmm. brother James teaches us is, uh, you know, if you go into somebody else's ministry, a church, a mission field, whatever, you don't get to go cause harm. Mm -hmm. You become the heretic, even if you're 100% right. So if their standards are way off and I, and I, my standards are correct, but I go and I cause harm to that ministry. I'm the one that's out of line. Right. And and so you, you don't get to go cause harm to an established ministry because they won't do things the way that you want them to do things. Mm-hmm. You have to respectfully bow out and leave. Yeah. You can't go and cause harm. And so one of the things that stood out to me in that meeting is I, I gathered from that meeting that you would be the type of personality and that your standards, your convictions, your biblical knowledge, you know, this was someone that, that, I, that, that I could, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to word this because my personality is so dominant or, or domineering. Mm-hmm. I have to work with people that, that can't be run over. Right. If that makes sense. Right. And it's not that I intend to go run over people. I just, I can tend to come into a room and take it over. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to be careful with that, not to do those types of things, especially in situations where I have to be mindful and respectful of the other people in the room right. who have more legitimacy than me, who have more experience than me, mm-hmm. who have more authority than me. And, and I have to keep those things in mind. And if I don't do that, or if I'm not working with someone that kind of creates a natural mm-hmm. balance to that, right. and I think you do that, you're very patient, but you're also, you know, you don't, people don't run over you. That's, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, it's, it's meekness. You mm-hmm. have the ability to take some wrong, but you don't just let people just mis- mistreat you. I tend to just be very aggressive and I have to make myself mm-hmm. be more meek. Right. And so uh, I need someone like James Knox. One of my best friends is Lee Cadenhead. Mm-hmm. He's another, he's a very strong personality. I can't right. just run over him. We can have hard discussions, mm-hmm. 
but but as someone I know, I can't just go in and dominate. And, and I recognize, it, you know, sometimes I get in conversations with people and I realize this is one of the one of the ways the Lord has helped me to use this is in witnessing. Mm-hmm. I, I can find ways to maneuver within the conversation to get people going where I want them to go and right. thinking about what I want them to think about. Yeah. And it's not manipulation. Mm-hmm. It's me helping move them in the right direction. So rather than coming in and just bashing them, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's necessary, and yeah. I have the ability to do that if I need to. Instead, I, I need to come in and I want to find out who you are, what do you believe, and then that's right. going to help me develop a process to help you think about the things I want you to think about right. and, and to move you in the right direction to right. making a decision to trust in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So understanding that up front for me was a huge yeah. plus. And I think another thing that helped too, um, and it wasn't that I necessarily set this as a requirement. Uh, it just kind of happened was the conversations I had with your pastor about you. Uh, so he kind of prepared me, (laughs) so to speak. Uh, you know, this is, this is who he is. This is his strength. This is how we see him. Uh, again, going kind of back to that marriage relationship, you know, I, 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 I don't want to marry someone based upon what, just what I've seen. Sure. I want to talk to her pastor. I want to talk to her friends. I want to, you know, how, how's everyone seeing her when she's not around me? Right. And, and I think that's a, that's a very good plus is to, you know, what kind of person am I bringing into my ministry? Um, is this someone who is going to harm my ministry? Is this someone that has a wrong attitude, a wrong spirit or whatever? And you can find out a lot about that if you've hopefully had a pastor who will be honest and, uh, and, and tell you this is the type of yeah. person he well, is. James so. will be very honest. Oh, yeah. He was very honest. <laughs> <laughs> and people are, are surprised by that. They, uh, I think a lot of well, – there was another brother who went out uh, from our church to uh, pastor a church. And um, the people of that church – called brother James and and they called him really late in the process. And he said, why are you just now calling me? And they said, well, we just, you know, every time we call a pastor, they just cheerlead for their, their missionary. Brother James is not going to do that. He's going to be very honest about the positives and the negatives. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, now in in proper situation, he's not just going to let tell anybody, but in a situation like that, he's going to say, okay, this is what you need to think about. This is, this is what you're bringing in positive and negative. And um, I, I think a lot of pastors maybe are a little reluctant to do that. We, we have this mentality. We're just supposed to cheer each other on and never mention any yeah. of the defects. Uh, I wish there were no defects, but unfortunately yeah. <laughs> they're, they're about a mile. Well, high. and I just think uh, there are situations where a lot of pastors, if they would, instead of just being that yes, man, right. And, and be very frank and honest. Uh, I think we would, we would save, not only save relationships, yes. but save thousands of dollars. Yeah. Uh, because th- there's guys that, you know, come in and they, they, they either ruin a ministry or they, you know, they, mm-hmm. they have this idea they want to be a missionary and they spend years and years and years and years and years on deputation. And then they come to the mission field and all oh, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And, a pastor ought to be able to know sure. the people he's sending out sure. and they ought to be able to know the personality. Are they, are they going to do the work? And if they're not, they need to be honest and say, this is not the person for this. Right. And so I think if a, if a senior missionary 
is bringing someone into his ministry, all right, you're going to let this guy come in and teach your people. You're going to let this guy. I, I prepared my people for you coming, okay? I, I sat down with my men. I said, listen, these are the areas where Brother Thomas and I are different. But these are not areas that would separate us. These are not areas. I, I want you to know this so that you're not surprised and come to me and say, you know, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I want them to know ahead of time. And I knew a lot of that because I knew your pastor. I knew I know your church. I, I've talked with your pastor. And so I, I, you did not come into our ministry with me being blind to who you are. Right. And, and I think uh, the more preparation a senior minister, missionary has in knowing who is coming into that ministry and how that person is going to have an effect on his people, uh, and, and I think that's been very productive because they've come in and they've heard different things that you've said, and they said, hey, we're willing to listen to him, or this is his idea. We already knew about it. It's, well, not, a, it's not a big deal. Some of them have, have come and asked me questions about you know, some of those things. I didn't, even, I didn't realize that those conversations, mm-hmm. didn't even, I didn't even know why they, how they knew some of the things that they knew about me. And, and I'm very, you've given me the liberty to be, you know, to, to, to explain those things to them from my perspective. And I always end it by telling them, now, if I find out that you're creating, you know, a camp for Brother Keith and mm-hmm. a camp for Brother Thomas right. and using this to create some sort of division in the church, right. it's not going to be good for you. Right. So you need to now take the information you have and you need to come to your own conclusion Absolutely. and you need to be charitable about it. Because, because even if they look at brother Thomas and say, Hey, I agree with what he's right. saying. That's not going to change the ministry. Not at all. It's not going to change right. what we're trying to do. And it, it better not change the ministry. Yeah. If, it, if it does change the ministry, then something about what I'm teaching or presenting mm. is off right. track. Right. Because if, if they can take the knowledge that, you know, the ideas that I have and they implement them and in, in practical and the, the practical outworking of that is tearing a church apart. <clears throat> right. That's not good. Yeah. That's very bad. Yeah. And so um, those are other things that, you know, I, 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 there was a missionary who, you know, I've, I've met missionaries who, who are so excited about how different they are mm-hmm. and they want you to know that they, they major on the fact that they are not you. And I don't see how that's helpful. Right. Of course, there are going to be differences. There are two human beings in the building. There are going to be differences. That's just that's just how it is. You come from two different churches, two different backgrounds, two different states, two different. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it just it's going it's going to be there are going to be some differences. But if those differences can't be can't exist side by side, one one idea or the other is is problematic. Right. And it may need to be. It may need to be repented of. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, then on the field, competitive natures, how do you handle or what, what, are, what would be some good boundaries to put in place so that ambition doesn't become destructive? You know, you, we, we, want to, um, we want to be ambitious. We have goals. We have things we want to accomplish, but, but we can't put the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there has to be a process to how we're going to get there. And, and, and I like what you said in the beginning, that that process can't be so, so definitive mm-hmm. that there's no, there's no wiggle room, right. you know, to, to accomplish it. You're going to do things slightly different from me. As a matter of fact, we, our daily lives, I mean, we just get up and we go to work. Yeah. We, 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 we don't meet together. Right. We don't, you know, you have to be where I am. I have to be where you are. We, we just, 
You have a day, you have a day's full, you know, worth of work that you need to accomplish. I have a day's worth of work that I need to accomplish. Oftentimes what needs to be accomplished overlaps and we, mm-hmm. we have to reach out to each other or help each other or, or work with each other or whatever the case right. may be. But all in all, I need to be busy doing what I need to be doing, but it can't be again, destructive mm-hmm. to the ministry and you need to be busy doing what you're doing and it can't be right. destructive to the ministry. Right. How do you set, how do you, how do I mean, it's just, it just, we haven't talked about that. Yeah. It just kind of worked out that way. But what are some practical ideas that people can think about to, so that they're, they're not stepping on each other's toes, trying to accomplish the glorification of Jesus Christ, which right. is right. insane. Well, again, I think it, it, at the risk of just being repetitive, it comes back to all these things you've been saying about lowliness and meekness and humility. I, I have never seen in my ministry here, we've seen lots of people saved, we've seen churches started, but I've never seen our guys so excited about soul winning since you came. Praise the Lord. All right. Why would I, why would I look at that and let that okay. hurt me? Why would I? I I'm, I'm rejoicing. I'm saying, hey, th- th- this is not a threat. This right. is, again, this is something that Thomas is bringing into our ministry that for whatever reason, I never brought it in. I mean, we, we did it. We go soul winning. We do those things. But there's, there's an excitement about, there's a zeal that you have about it that I just have not had. And, and our guys are excited, man. They're, I mean, they're walking two or three miles, you know, to, to go soul winning and, and, and uh, discipling these people. And, and I came back the other day, and uh, the guys were coming up. Hey, we saw three people saved, you know, when we went out to the – and. I'm, I'm, why would I, why would I think that you're a challenge to me? I, I want to sit back and say, "Hey, praise God for that," right. you know, and uh, and so if if that if I'm going to let another man who's doing right and right. taking what is right to the next level and let that intimidate me, then there's a problem with me. Sure. And, uh, and so I'm sitting back and saying, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm, if anything, I'm going to let him motivate me to do some more uh, personal evangelism. But if, if, if he here in our town church can get our guys excited about that and, and my love and strength being out in the village and working these village churches and teaching all that. We're working together, and like you said, we're not on top of each other. We're not meeting together and saying, all right, what's your schedule this week? What's my schedule? Today we're going to be going to the village together because it worked out together. But most of the time, like you said, I mean, we live, our houses are right next to each other. We have a wall between us, but sometimes we go a week without seeing each other, (laughs) you know, because you've got your ministry. I've got my ministry. We're working together, but we're not it's it's not that i'm a boss and it's not that you're an employee yeah. it's no you were you were very clear about that when we first met that you had no intention of being my boss or my you know and and um if you're going to be a missionary i i think it's a good idea especially now if you can to start off working with someone who's mm-hmm. more experienced but you you but it doesn't always work out that you're working with someone who's easy to work with mm-hmm. and i get that but you need to have that independence that people want to have needs to, to correlate into you showing up to work and just mm-hmm. doing what needs to be done right. on a daily basis, not you trying to take over and dominate and, and impose yourself. Mm-hmm. But if, well, you, if just, you need me to tell you a schedule, right. 
you don't need to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes, that's exactly so. that's exactly right. And so uh, I I like the way it has worked out. And like, and, and I've done the same thing. I, my, uh, my sister is working here, right. and uh, she her ministry is helping us with children's ministries when we go in the villages. But I told her the same thing when she comes. Sure. I said, if you feel God wants you here. Then you be here. I'm not here to to tell you what to do, and I'm the same. She's my family, right. but I I go sometimes a week or so without seeing her. But she does her ministry. She right. knows what she's supposed to accomplish. She knows what she's supposed to do. So all three of us working together to accomplish that same goal. But there's no hierarchy, you know, so right. to speak, you know. So no, it, there, there's not. There is, but there isn't. So yeah, it, well, in, in, in my mind. I have to be mindful. I, I believe I have to be mindful that that uh, in my estimation, you're the senior missionary mm-hmm. here. Um, I might have a bright idea, but I want to run it. I, I, right. you, you've not given me the indication that I have to run it past you. But I feel like it would be safe and it would be best and it would be respectful if I do run it past mm-hmm. you. And oftentimes I have a great I have an idea of something I want to do and I run it past you and, and you're able to point out some details either culturally or logistically that I didn't think about mm-hmm. that, that it improves the idea. Yeah. Or you might say, no, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> no. I wouldn't do that here in Uganda. And so, um, well, I, again, the only time I've let you intimidate me is when you come and you clean your roof tiles and you <laughs> make my roof tiles at my house look ugly. And so uh, now, Lord, I, you know, I, I told you <laughs> when, when we were here, January of 2020, we prayed, my wife and I stood, we stayed in your upstairs bedroom and we could see that house, that uh-huh. dingy, ugly, busted house. Yeah. And we prayed and asked the Lord if it was possible we could have that house. Um, yeah. And it worked out. <laughs> the way it worked out is just, it's just incredible. And so we are going to take care of that. Yeah. House. <laughs> well, when I, we had brother Jan visiting, we pulled up the house for the first time. And he looked at your house and he said, who lives there? <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's so. amazing what some clean tiles and paint can do. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, all right, and you've mentioned identifying each other's talents, and I think this is, um, I think this is something you've been. I, I, it seems to me this has been uh, key to a major part of your approach, is you know identifying your talents and identifying my talents, and you've said a lot about you know uh, the excitement that I've garnered here towards evangelism, but. Um, but an area that that I really admire that that I think that you have become very good at and I am terrible at is the follow on mm-hmm. and discipleship. I'm I love teaching, but you got to get people into the classroom. Right, right. <laughs> and and uh, uh, I, I mean, I like to go as in depth as people will allow me to go mm-hmm. and 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 teach and, and then get as granular as as Lord willing, they'll let me. But you got to get them from the point of salvation to, to, to sitting in a classroom or right. sitting in church and, and learning the Bible. And we've led a lot of people to the Lord since we've been here. And my concern is not very many of them. Now we've had the lockdown and, and, and I'll, I'll, right. I'll throw out some good excuses that maybe, maybe uh, justify my lack of. Yeah. Well, it's fun. hard. It's hard to point people to attend something that you're it, holding incognito, closed. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's something you've been, that's a talent that you have. you, I'm not great at relationships. I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> um, you know, I'm okay with meeting you on the street, giving you the gospel and then saying, all right, nice, nice meeting you. Goodbye. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's something I have to work on. If you're going to be a missionary, you have to be 
able to engage in relationships and to right. teach people. Right. And that's something that you're very good at. And, and that's not something that I'm very good mm-hmm. at. It's a personality defect. It's something I have to overcome. I have to make myself do. But a lot of what you have mentioned seem to be based on identifying other people's talents and saying, man, let them run with that. Yeah. Stay out of their way right. and, and, and let them do that. So mm-hmm. what, what do you, you know, how do you go about identifying people's talents and then, and then kind of, I don't know that you've done this with me or maybe you have and I haven't realized it, but kind of ushering them in that direction and letting them take off with it. Well, again, when you've had the conversation before they even get there and talking with their pastor and things, I knew, I knew what your strengths were before you got here. And, uh, and, and that's why, uh, you know, our church went through some situations, right. As you got here, the change of leadership and things. And, uh, and I recommended to the pastor, I said, Hey, you know what, this, this is, uh, brother Thomas's strength. This is how he can help our church. I'm just giving you some, you know, this, this would be a good thing to, for him to help us out. And, and basically then just get out of the way. I mean, you, you know, and I saw this when you were teaching and, and again, I learned from that and I've used it so much since that time, but in that first trying Bible Institute, you set the process for those guys. And I think that's what got them so excited is all right. What, what is our goal? The goal is the gospel. All right. And in whatever way, whatever that process is, you've got to get them to put their faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it brought, so much of the uh, broad ideas of what soul winning is down to a very simple concept, right. all right, that can be done with any individual. Uh, and and so by sitting back and saying, all right, here's a guy who's been here for three months. He's teaching my men about soul winning. He's giving them an idea here. Why would I stand in the way of that? I, I don't understand why any missionary would. Right. Um, but with that being your strength, let it go. It's not, it's not going against any of my philosophy. It's not going against anything that we've, it's actually expanding it and, uh, and, you know, go with it. And, uh, and so I think you just, it's very simple. Just get out of the way and, and say, Hey, this is the, now if, if, if I see something and I haven't, but if I've seen something and say, Hey, you know what, maybe we ought to do it this way, or maybe this is a culturally offensive or something of that nature, then, you know, I would be willing to step in, but, uh, just let, let people be who they are, you know, and, uh, and, and let them take their talents and abilities and use it for the glory of God. But then there is hospitality, and um, you again, you and your family. I, 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 again, I, I don't, I don't know that people take into account all the possible advantages of starting out with letting someone help you. Mm-hmm. You, you have an infrastructure here that you've set up. You were able to meet us at the airport and help us bring all thirty pieces right. of luggage right. that we have to your house. You let us stay in your house for a month and, and gave us space there to live there. At no point did you act like we were intruding. And, and, and again, our mentality was we need to get out of here as soon as we can. We don't mm-hmm. need to just kick back and right. say, you know, we got a rent-free place to stay for a good amount of right. time. And, and I, you know, there is give and take on both sides. It, it, it was not fun for us to have to live in somebody else's mm-hmm. house. You know, you, you want to be private in your home and you want to mm-hmm. – 
you know, and it, I'm sure it was not fun for you to have uh, people in your home that, you know, again, you want to be private and there are things that you and your family want to do that you do in the privacy of your home mm-hmm. and, and, and to have it, but you, you have people come and stay fairly often, I guess not really right. often, but, but, you know, you, you, you have people come and stay on a regular basis um, for missions trips and thing, mm-hmm. things of that sort. But man, having that, I remember calling you cause we were supposed to, uh, we were supposed to stay in your home while you were gone, right. not while you were there, right. which still is a, is a huge, you know, imposition and, mm-hmm. and, uh, but a blessing to us. And it would give us time to figure out where we were going to stay. And, and then of course, COVID-19 hit and the world locked down and we didn't get to come. And then mm-hmm. we were coming back together. And I remember calling you and saying, <laughs> you know, you were going to let us stay in your house while you were gone. And you were like, yeah, brother, you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate, it's, it's hard for me to ask those things. Yeah. I hate asking yeah. favors. I it, it just, it, it, it takes a lot. I, I really have to be comfortable with someone for me to ask mm-hmm. them a favor. And even then it just, it, it gives me this eerie it gives me this terrible feeling. I should not ask this. Yeah. I, I just don't like it. Yeah. But taking advantage of one another's hospitality and, and not being reciprocal, mm-hmm. uh, that, that can, that, I think that's where maybe a lot of wives, you know, yeah. get into some, some issues mm-hmm. where they're not proper boundaries are not set or at least realize you don't have to say, okay, here are the rules for our friendship, right. but you should recognize that, you can't be at somebody's house all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't, your purpose here is not, is not uh, eternal fellowship, right, right. <laughs> even amongst wives. My mm-hmm. wife is, she, she has things at home that need to be accomplished. She is busy. She mm-hmm. is working. I know Miss Sally is, mm-hmm. and, and your children are, we don't, we don't have time for sitting around, right. hanging out all the time, mm-hmm. which is where a lot of these problems, I think. Right. get started is, is just too much idleness of time. Right. So how do you put boundaries for what are some boundaries or things to think about in terms of just personal hospitality and, and looking out for each other, but not overstepping your bounds and, and, and imposing on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's just the having the awareness and understanding that uh, if there is anything that this missionary needs, you know, even though it's uncomfortable for you to ask, I want you to always be willing to know that, you know, we are, I, I think it goes beyond, even beyond Christianity necess- to a point, be, we are of the same culture. Sure. Okay. And we're working in a vastly different culture. Right. And so the things that, I understand about you and you understand about me would not be understood by a Ugandan. Mm -hmm. And uh, so just being able to have that understanding that there's someone here, if, if I need to be, you know, go to the hospital and my wife has to take care of me because nurses here don't do any care. Someone's there to take care of my baby. I mean, who else am I going to give my baby to, to take care of? Um, you know, if if your internet breaks down, all right, I know that there's someone I can go next door and I can use their internet, or I can. It's just being there for each other. Having where where when you're by yourself and things break down, there's no backup. Sure. All right. So with with missionaries working together, there's there's kind of a a backup system that you don't abuse it, but it's there. 
if if something has to happen. We've had times that our, you know, drinking water has broken down and well, I could go buy some or I could go next door and get a jury can of drinking water, you know. So there's it's it's that confidence and that's one of the great things about having someone where you're not just in a town by yourself. You've got someone that you can rely upon. You've got someone that there's there's times that uh, you know my wife and I, like right now, you can only have three people in a vehicle. We can't take our kids with us. So I don't ask you to watch my kids, but I know <laughs> right. when I'm in Kampala, if something happens, you're there. Yes. You know, and uh, so it's it's just having that. I think that having that backup, there's a security there, um, knowing that again, like you said, we're, we're not always in each other's house. We're not always on top of each other. You know, uh, you know, let's do this and let's have this fun and all. There's work to be done. There's ministry to be done, and we do have times of fellowship. Yes, yes. But there's just that knowledge. There's that comfort in knowing that if something happens. Uh, if there's, uh, a, you know, we just recently had a, uh, a missionary in Kampala that died of COVID right. or complications with COVID. And missionaries were able to step in there and, and help her out. Who else is she going to turn to if sure. there wasn't other missionaries there? And so, so that's just, I, I think, in regards to that hospitality. And Sal, my wife has always been one ever i guess we learned this from our pastor um your your home is not a museum it's designed to be lived in and and we want it to be open to anyone who who needs a place to stay or needs some fellowship or needs some encouragement or whatever and uh, so we've always had an, an open door policy you know in our home and uh and We've we've enjoyed that. There's been times we've been taken advantage of, sure. but, but the majority of the time, it's been a huge blessing, mm-hmm. and uh, and we'll continue to do that. I mean, we're we're planning a uh, a medical team coming over, and so we're planning on, you know, having to host you know up to thirty five people, and uh, so it's you just work with it, you know, and and I, I praise the Lord, and a lot of that has to do with a wife who is patient, who's strong, who has ability to organize and. So much of it, you know, I can't even take credit for. She's just, she's just a trooper about it. Sure. But, uh, but hospitality, I mean, that's one of the qualifications of a church leader is right. given to hospitality. Right. And, uh, and so I think that's something that we need to practice definitely to, to, to maintain that unity there. Well, I, I, we're going to wrap it up here, but I, I do want to just broadly mention one last problem or problem. That is the, what I want to mention is solving problems that arise. Um, and, and I think it could be really summed up in the three verses we've already read, but, but in terms of the practical outworking, now we, we haven't had any problems so far, you know, to have to really resolve. I mean, we've, we've discussed things, we've, we've run ideas past each other. Some of them may even be strong ideas Mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, where we, we kind of talk about it or work it out or. Or one of us just makes a decision and the other one just, you know, right. okay, that's what we're doing. You know, mm-hmm. there's, why argue about, why fight about it? Why right. you can't get your way all the time. But, um, you know, I, so I, I, I have some ideas listed here and we don't have the, the time this morning to go through them all, but to, uh, to deal with, um, problems that arise, I would just suggest, first of all, there's scriptural solutions. Mm-hmm. It, you know, sometimes it's, immediately applicable. Sometimes there's some direct revelation in the Bible that 
we'll deal with it. And one or, or both of us need to be ready to mm-hmm. adhere to that. It's just, right. th- that should be a given. Right. But then sometimes that can't happen. Um, you know, sometimes one or the other is not willing to do that. So then in my estimation, you, you, you need a mediator. Mm-hmm. And that's what our pastors back home are good for. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have a good pastor. I believe I have a good pastor. Mm-hmm. We can call them and, and say, okay, this is right. what we're dealing with. Right. And I know brother James will think about it. I know, I, I have no doubt in my mind, he's going to think about it objectively. And he's mm-hmm. going to tell me, you know, Thomas, if I'm wrong, he's going to mm-hmm. say, you're, you're out of line. Yeah. You, you need to go back. You need to apologize. Right. You know, if I call and I ask for that type of advice, he's going to tell me. Mm-hmm. He's going to give me the advice. He's not going to offer it without my asking. But if I call him and ask him, he's going to say, you know, based on what you've told me, if I'm honestly, mm-hmm. you know, giving him the, the scenario, right. which I think I have a responsibility to do, mm-hmm. it's not going to benefit me to to malign you and say, right. you know, he's mistreating me. If I'm going to take a victim mentality or you're going to take a victim mentality it's, nothing's going to work here. Right. But if we're going to own up to what we might have done and say, yeah, I, I messed that up. Let's, mm-hmm. let's not do that again and, yeah. and move on. Then great. Mm-hmm. But if, it, if you can't resolve it, then you need a mediator. You need someone who can step in and say, no, you're wrong. He's right. Mm-hmm. Or both of you are wrong or, right. or whatever the case may be. And that's what pastors are great for. So, um, but those things I think need to be in play. I think that would be, I'm assuming that would be just a natural thing for you mm-hmm. and I to do is to, right. to say, okay, we, we're not resolving this here. Mm-hmm. This is not going anywhere. We need to bring in some outside help yeah. to help break this down. Um, but it would be best if we just never let it get to that point. Yeah, you know, absolutely. If we just didn't do that. Now, in conclusion, ultimately communication and humility are the keys to any partnership without these two attributes and all that they entail attempting a part to partner in the ministry. It's just going to fail, hmm. but a valid attempt at both can bring lasting success. Absolutely. Now in my estimation, of course, I'm looking at this from being new here and having come in. Um, and I think in a very good situation, I think this partnership or, or my end of this partnership has been tremendously valuable to me mm-hmm. and my family. Amen. So I, I don't know how you would, I'll give you the last word on, on missionary partnerships. Mm-hmm. What is your ultimate conclusion? What do you think people should? Well, I think it's, I think it's interesting that when Jesus sent the 70 out, mm-hmm. it was two by two. He sent the 12 out, two by two. You go through the entire book of Acts. Every time they went out, there was always a team. I, I don't think that's by accident. Sure. All right? I don't, think there's, I don't think that Jesus just arbitrarily said, go two at a time. There's a reason for it. Right. Um, Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. All right? If one falls, the other one can pick them up. You know, there's just, there is a biblical principle involved with being a team. All right. And I understand that in every situation that you may go to a country, some island on the South Pacific, and you're waiting for someone else to be called to that same island on the (laughs) South Pacific. It may not always happen, but when you, when it does happen and when that, that opportunity is there, Make it work because you can do so much more and you can accomplish so much more uh, when you're a team. And so if you have that that opportunity and you've looked at you, you've said, all right, this person's uh, what he's trying to accomplish. It will fit into our ministry. He's heard my philosophy. He's in agreement with that philosophy. 
you do, there is so much value in having a team effort that if you, if you and the other person will just simply have an add to this as we are going to make this work, then there is so much that can be accomplished. There's so much that can be done. And, uh, and so don't, don't think about all the different, well, it didn't work for this missionary. It didn't work for this missionary. Apparently it does work because it's in the, it's in God's word. All right. And, and, and Paul, Paul was not a perfect man. And there were times he had problems with, with, with teamwork and, but it didn't stop him from getting another teammate. (laughs) All right. right. Uh, And, and so he said, all right, if it's not going to work with Barnabas, let's get Silas and let's go, you know, but there was always somebody with him. He always had a Timothy. He always had, uh, you know, John Mark ended up coming back with him. And, and so everywhere he went, he had somebody, because there is an advantage to it, and uh, it's it it doesn't. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to have one, but if you do, count it as a great advantage, sure. as an opportunity, and then make it work. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, thank you again for your time, and uh, thank you for the help you and your wife have been to my family and I. I couldn't imagine getting settled the way we have and doing what we're doing without the help that you two have provided Amen. us, and so. Uh, it's, it's been invaluable. So for those of you listening, thank you for listening and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast.